following audio is from a sermon series entitled Practicing the Way of Jesus, a study on the Sermon on the Mount. For more information about Sacred City Church, please visit scmoline.com. All right, all right, all right. Good morning, everyone. That was a little weak for us to serve a true king that is good, great, glorious, and gracious. Good morning, everyone. All right, that's more like it. Welcome to Sacred City Moline. Um, For some of you guys I haven't seen for over a year, some of you guys I haven't seen since Sacred City Churches opened up a couple years ago, but it's an honor to be here with you guys this morning. Um, But if you guys don't know me, my name is Alex Tate. As uh, Sam said, I'm the Sacred City Youth Director over in um, Davenport, and it's been an honor um, to be able to teach them the gospel, to live in community and on mission with them, to be able to see and show them who Jesus is on a wider and deeper level. I'm also a pastoral resident over at Sacred City Church in Davenport, um, where I'm learning from my elders on both sides of the river of what it looks like to uh, be a pastor, then also plant a a church in in the near future. Um, I'm married to my, my wife. She's not here this morning, um, but she is smart, intelligent, and beautiful as always. Um, but we have been married for 13 years and together for um, 17 years. We have three beautiful boys, uh, Michael, that will be turning 14 this week. Um, and he looks like he's 18 with his mustache and, of course, growing a couple um, inches over quarantine. But we also have a son named Cameron that is 12. Uh, Quincy, that is seven, and then we are all from the Quad City area. We love the QC, and we have been a part of Sacred City Church in Davenport for uh, 10 years since it's opened its doors. So as Sam said, uh, he asked me to preach this morning as his family's wrapping up, selling their house and, uh, and purchasing their new house. And we all know how stressful that can be with kids running around and, you know, no refrigerator or no microwave. You're eating out all the time, trying to figure things out, and I hope that this gives him a break. But As Sam said, uh, we've known each other for about eight to nine years. It's been a long time, and uh, I first got to know Sam when he was going through his hippie stages, right? So I don't know if any of you guys know what that's like, but uh, Sam had his long hair pulled back in a ponytail. He had his nose ring that he still wears from time to time, and the tightest jeans that I've ever seen before, right? So, so he had these jeans, and his, of course his van shoes and his uh, nice long board on his hip, all while he was working at Target in the camera and TV department. So uh, in the midst of that, um, we have been in missional communities, as he said, and Fight Club, all while he was dating Becca in the midst. 
um, to now him, of course, having three beautiful boys and being married, and then for him and I to now be working together to build the kingdom of God. So that's just a joy, and I just, it's just been great for my soul, so I, I pray and I challenge you, if you have not gotten connected at Sacred City Moline, to get connected. You can get with me, Sam, anyone in the foyer, and we would love to help you out, but it's just been great for our souls. So um, rather than that, enough about Sam and I, right? So we all came here to hear God's word, so how about I pray and we can jump right in this morning. Father, we just uh, thank you for who you are. We thank you that you continue to move and that your light continues to pierce the dark, Lord. And I just, in all these troubled times, Lord, with uh, just the COVID, Lord, I just pray for the families. I just pray for um, everyone that is uh, hurting or, you know, feeling like they need comfort, Lord, and I pray that they could find it in you, Lord. So I just pray that you speak through me today in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you guys have not been following um, Sacred City Moline, of course, on Facebook, Instagram, or on the new podcast, Vision Drip, right? Um, We are a church that loves walking through the books of the Bible. We like going verse by verse, and as you guys all know, it could take us a couple months or it could take us a year, right? So sometimes it, it could take a while, but I love this because there's so much to explore, when we take it piece by piece so that we do not miss anything. In the last couple weeks, you guys have been walking through the Beatitudes, and last week Sam did a great job by framing up and showing us how Jesus crowned us with two brilliant metaphors, which was salt and light. But today we're going to be jumping in and still practicing the ways of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll see that Jesus is pulling up to the scenes here. He is the long-awaited Messiah and true king. that has finally come to earth to set up his kingdom. He, He has finally continued to fulfill the prophecies from the Old Testament, has been anointed by his father throughout his baptism as the son of who he is well pleased with. And now Jesus is ready to go to work. Jesus is ready to start up and set up his kingdom ministry. And there's nothing like it when your father gives you that approval, right? He is ready to get his hands dirty. He is ready to get to work. So the crowd comes down to sit with Jesus as he teaches them. The crowds are coming because Jesus is starting to go viral. In our time, of course, he's going viral all over Facebook, all over the gram, all over Snapchat, and some people are starting to get their Twitter fingers going just a little crazy talking about Jesus. So the crowd is, if you don't know, a mixture of good and bad. Jews and Gentiles and Christians and non-Christians, along with his disciples that, that came to um, sit near with him and real close. They are Christians that are already following Jesus, and Jesus is shepherding and tending to his flock at this time. And Jesus' first sermon is all about the blessedness and flourishing of the kingdom of God. This kingdom ministry is all about the new reality in the kingdom that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. It's all about how we should live in this life right now that God has to offer us as a gift. And Jesus came to bring the kingdom perfectly. He is calling all of his disciples to himself and saying to follow me because to be a true leader, we must first learn how to follow Jesus so that we can walk this walk with iron sharpening iron and with us being shaped and molded to look more like Jesus every single day, all while practicing the ways of the true king. He came to bring change. 
even though some of us are a little comfy right now. And he came to challenge your spiritual, your ethical, your traditional, and mental and relational wholeness. And I'm going to be talking about how Jesus came to fulfill the law. He, he came to fulfill the law perfectly, even though lawyers and Pharisees tried to trick Jesus, try to find loopholes and rephrase his words in their interests, challenging his details and trying to talk over him and looking for a way out. Man, Jesus had his hands full at this time. Does this sound familiar to you guys? Does this sound familiar even in today's world, even though this sermon was written 2,000 years ago? We are still struggling with this today. But Jesus came to fulfill the law with truth and love. And I'll be coming from the book of Matthew. And if you guys are not aware of, Matthew is the author of Matthew. He is the former tax collector that had his own quest for breaking the law and looking for loopholes and just stretching the truth and challenging details all so that he could make a couple bucks as a tax collector until he started to follow Jesus and became one of his 12 disciples. Jesus showed him the kingdom life. And the theme that Matthew wants us to understand in this is that Jesus did not come to change or take anything away from the Moses law. He came to fulfill it. Matthew is reminding us that Jesus is the centerpiece of all Scripture. From the Old Testament that is looking forward to Jesus' coming. And the New Testament is a reflection on what Jesus did on the cross and looking forward to him coming again. So I know this may be a little different, but let's jump back into the book of Matthew, and we'll read this just one more time. Uh, Matthew 5, 17 through 20. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one out there. You can follow along on your phone or tablet, or it should be right up on um, the screen as well. When you're there, say amen. We can get going. Oh, yeah, I love it when you guys talk to me. I love it. Let's go. Let's go. Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus fulfills the laws we'll be talking about this morning. I normally do this with my youth, but I like to keep this tradition going. But I do see some of our, I think some of our youth are here, so they'll feel right at home. But turn to your neighbor to the left and say, Jesus fulfilled it. Yeah, turn to your neighbor to the left and say, Jesus fulfilled it. Turn to your neighbor to the right and say, Jesus fulfilled it. Turn behind you, because I know a lot of us are social distancing and say, Jesus said what he said. He said what he said, right? But when you hear the word law that Jesus fulfilled, what do you think of? What is it that you think of? Do you think of good or bad? Do you take it seriously? Do you break the law or have you ever? Do you loosen up the law so that it benefits you and your lifestyle? What comes to mind? Is it obligation or is it rebellion? 
Is it the law that and rules that you remember from your parents growing up, right? Maybe be at home before the streetlights come on if that rings a bell to anyone, right? Is it the laws and rules you remember from board games that you've put in place just so that you can get the win? Maybe a game of Clue or Monopoly because it takes so long, right? Is it the laws that you remember from your city growing up? Is it the laws of, is it the police or lawyers and judges? Is it the law you hear from each political party, from the left or from the right? Is it the law you have heard and memorized in Sunday school? And which side of the law are you on? Maybe you're that person on the right this morning. Maybe you're the good person, right? That follows all the rules because you think it leads to the good life. Maybe, and you say to yourself, if there's laws and rules, we need to follow them no matter what. Or find a loophole, right? Is, 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 a, is it all about trying to find a loophole? Is, is there a law and rules that we need to follow no matter what? So outside, we look like we're following the law. But behind the scenes, when, when no one is looking, it's a different story. And you have so many hidden and different motives and agendas. You say you're following the law with no pleasure and with no love. And maybe you're that person that's on the left this morning. Maybe you're the the bad boy or the bad gal, right? And you say, if there's laws and rules, of course, there need to be broken, right? These laws need to be broken, all while making up your own laws with joy and pleasure, no matter, you, you don't even care if you are loving your neighbor in the midst. For some reason, we always have a left side and a right side. Both sides, if you look deep enough, their hearts can be deceitful. And they find a way to make it about themselves and looking for a loophole to benefit them. But the laws and rules are set in place to govern people and situations. And there are 600 commands given in the ancient Israel, found in the first five books in the Bible. But the laws and commands that we are familiar with and used to hearing is the Ten Commandments. And they are, if you are not aware of the Ten Commandments, I am the Lord your God, you shall not have any gods before me. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not covet your neighbor's goods. But for some of us, we could say, I follow the Ten Commandments, right? I'm good. I can check off the box. But do you look closely? Do you look closely at what Jesus says about the Ten Commandments? As you check them off each day, as you check them off each week, as you check them off monthly and yearly. So let's take a look at what what Jesus is saying here. And you say to yourself, I have not committed adultery this week, right? No, I have not. I have not slept around. I have not watched any porn. Nothing popped up on my phone or my tablet or my computer. Trust me, I'm good. I have all the locks on my device. But when you look closely at Scripture, Jesus says, if you look at someone with lust, 
It's the same thing as committing adultery. So yeah, you have broken that commandment. And now you must erase the box that you have checked off. Let's, let's look to another one. You say, I don't kill anyone. I, I haven't killed anyone this week. You say, trust me, I, I got this one in the bag, right? I'm in the clear in this one. And when we tend to look down on others in prison, right? We, we look down on those that have just gotten out of prison. We say criminal, we say murderer, we say killer, right? Trust me, this is going to hit a little deep here. But Jesus says, if you harvest bitterness, if you harvest any bitterness or hate towards someone, it's the same as killing someone. That's deep, definitely with the holidays coming up, right? There's going to be a lot of family members and people coming in and out of your home that you're not used to hanging out with or sharing a meal with that maybe get underneath your skin just a little bit. But yeah, you have broken that commandment as well. And you might say, I don't worship false gods, right? I don't worship ancient people or people from an ancient world. I don't worship massive or little statues in my home. I don't worship the golden calf, and I don't worship my sporting teams or stadiums and celebrities or even HGTV, right? I, I don't worship any of those things. I have this in the bag. I'm good. But Jesus says, if you have chased anything, if you have chased anything and seek after it, and you see it as supreme and you worship it over God like comfort, like approval, people, power, you name it, it's the same thing. So, yeah, you have broken that commandment. We could go on and on and on and on, but none of us, if we really look deep enough, even passes over the Ten Commandments. We are a broken people that continue to fall short. The law of God is a mirror that shows us our sin, that shows us that we are rule breakers. But what happens when you don't like to look in the mirror? What happens when you do not like to look what you see in the mirror? Do you just wash your face really good? Do you put on makeup? Do you swipe over and continue to find the right filter? Or do you just avoid the mirror altogether? But are your eyes open to see your sin? Can you look at yourself in the mirror? And be honest, can you be in a gospel-centered community that can help hold you accountable, that can point you to Jesus with truth and love? Are your eyes open that you will never measure up to God and his standards? Or do you run? Do you hide or do you stay and fight the fight? Or do you lower the standards just a little bit so that you can meet the standards? But Ten Commandments are not life. And I pray that you are not trying to find life there. In checking off the laws, in checking off the rules, in checking off the box. Because there is no life there. Jesus is life. Jesus is the standard. He is the bread of life. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is our savior. Jesus is king and Jesus is coming. But how are you waiting? How are you waiting? Is it by checking off the box? 
Is it being anxious and having anxiety? Is it hurting yourself by trying to be enough over and over and over and over again? And you're falling into the animal trap that is hidden underneath the leaves and waiting for you. Jesus is the only way in the true life where you can find joy, where you can find hope, where you can find peace, and where you can find love that you have been looking for. We died to the law, but the law still foreshadows Jesus. And the clearer you see him, the more time you spend with him, the more time you spend in a gospel-centered community, the more pieces of the world gets chiseled off you every single day. To look more like Jesus, to be shaped and molded in his image. In the Christian life, we are called to follow God. In fact, the book of Matthew, Jesus has been laying out what a follower of God looks like. Some of you may say and, and, and see and hear what God wants us to do, and you think, how is that even possible? How is that even possible? But before you completely write me off this morning, we're going to check that out in this text this morning, that Jesus doesn't relax the standards at all. He clarifies what we are called to do and what's the ultimate, and that's to ultimate righteousness, living. And Jesus is going to help us walk this out God's way. And you might say, how can we actually, how is that even possible? How can we actually do that? Let's look at this text together. Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. What does this mean? What does this mean to understand what Jesus is saying here? We need to first look at the word abolish. The word abolish comes from the Greek word katilio. It means to dissolve, to destroy, to demolish, or to overthrow. So Jesus is saying he did not come to overthrow the law. He came to fulfill the law. And the first thing we see is the word abolish that is directly opposite of fulfill. Jesus says he did not come to abolish the law. So what Jesus is saying here is he, is not, he did not come to earth to be an opponent with the law. This is not the Lakers versus the Miami Heat here. This is not the L.A. Dodgers versus Tampa Bay. This is not the Bears versus the Vikings, right? His purpose was not to prevent the fulfillment of the law. In fact, his purpose was the exact opposite. The thing is, Jesus respected the law. He loved the law. He submitted to the law. He brought the law to completion by fulfilling the prophecies from the Old Testament. If we look at Luke 24:44, it says, These are the words I spoke to you while I was with you. I told you everything written about me in Moses' teaching and the prophets and the Psalms had to come true. The Mosaic law was a set of rules which demanded perfect obedience. And if one was unable to perfectly obey the law, you were under a curse. And you're like, curse? What, hold on, what, what does that mean, right? 
If we look at Galatians 3.10 here, it tells us, certainly there is a curse on all who rely on their own efforts to live according to the set of standards because Scripture says, whoever doesn't obey everything that is written in the Moses teaching is cursed. But hold on, there's good news if we keep reading here. Galatians 13, uh, verse three, uh, chapter 3, 13 says, but Jesus Christ paid the price to free us from the curse of God's law, bring by becoming cursed instead of us. Scripture says everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. Jesus fulfilled and pays the price. Jesus pays the price. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's good news. Jesus paying the price in full. Man, that's, that's good news. Let's, let's keep moving here. And the word fulfill comes from the Greek word perio. It means to fill to the brim, to complete, to render, perfect. Jesus fulfilled the law, and he wanted to say this because he didn't want people to be misinformed here. Jesus wanted everyone to know that every little detail matters in the law. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. God's laws here are here to stay. Jesus is not throwing any other laws away. None of them will pass away. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to be least, and Jesus is making this very clear here. If you don't obey the law, we are least in the kingdom of heaven. We are least in the kingdom of heaven. And if we do obey the laws, we are great in the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty straightforward, church. Yet for some of us, we are a little confused because all of us are falling short at some point in time in our lives, right? With at least one of these commands. So if we do according to this verse, we are called least in the kingdom of heaven. That's not a good situation. Sometimes we may be tempted to think that some of the sin we commit are not that big of a deal. And Jesus will speak to that next week as Sam opens up that sermon. However, in this text, Jesus says, whoever breaks one of the least of these, every little command of God matters. Don't minimize your sin. Even telling a white lie just to spin the truth, just a hair in your favor, it all matters. Because it's not minimal to a holy God. Jesus also says that if we do obey the commands of God, we'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I want some of that. I don't know about you guys, but I, I want some of that. But the question is, how do we obey the law? How did Jesus? So we can be great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus answers that here, that question in verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That takes us to our last point. We fell at that law, right? Some of us are thinking, what a letdown. Sam, why did you even bring this guy here this morning? I wanted to hear some good, morning, some good news, right? I wanted to hear something. I had a long week. This, this COVID, the, the kids at home, homeschooling, everything's getting to me. This, I needed some good news this morning. 
Here's the deal. God's standard of being great in the kingdom of heaven is obedience to the law. Even in the little things. We are all going to mess things up. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't have to convince you of this. We all know this. You know that you're not perfect. If you don't, you do now. Right? Right? I know that I'm not perfect. I surely know that I'm not perfect. In fact, the standard that Jesus gives us for righteousness would have floored his listeners at the time. He said that we must be more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes, if you didn't know, and the Pharisees, they were at the top of their game in this point in time in life. In this righteousness, in this day, they were like the Jocko and the Navy Seals that woke up at 4.30 in the morning, right? They were the LeBron James and Michael Jordans in their prime time, right? They were killing it. Everyone was looking up to the scribes and the Pharisees. The people would have died to be as righteous as the scribes and Pharisees. And Jesus says that you must be more than them. If that's the case, there's no hope, right? A lot of us are waking up at 4.30 in the morning. We're, we, we, we're not LeBron James's or Michael Jordan's in our prime at any means, right? It's a struggle for us to get out of bed. If that's the case, there's no hope for us to be able to be righteous enough. I hope you're starting to catch on here. On our own, we are unable to fill the law. Did you hear that? On our own, we cannot fulfill the law. That's why we need Jesus. That's, this is how Jesus helps us here. We need the righteousness of Jesus to help us obey the law. We need him. The law and the prophets show us God's ways. And they also show us that we cannot measure up to God's standards, which shows us that we need God's grace in our life. We need Jesus. You see, Jesus fulfilled the law with perfect obedience, even in the little things. His righteousness exceeds over the scribes and the Pharisees here. So Jesus did pay the penalty for our unrighteousness on the cross. And we will receive his blessedness of being called great in the kingdom of heaven because of his righteousness, not our own. In 1 Peter 3.18, it tells us, For Christ also suffered for sins once and for all. The righteousness for our unrighteousness is that we might be brought to God in order for us to live righteously and be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Some things have to change in us, right? Jesus fulfills the law. We fail at the law. Jesus is righteous and we are unrighteous. We need the help of the healing of Jesus. And praise God, he gives that to us as a gift, right? John tells us in 1 John 1.9, it says, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and righteous, righteous to forgive our sins, to cleanse us from the unrighteousness. So yes, he can change a bitter and cold heart to a loving and grace-filled heart. Yes, he can knock down walls that you have had up for years to know that your identity is a son and daughter of God, how he sees you as precious. He can change the hate that is in your heart 
towards someone that doesn't look like you, maybe the same color as you, maybe in the same political side as you, maybe in the same tax bracket as you, right? To love your neighbor that is in front of you, to the left of you, to the right of you, behind you, that is made in the image of God, which is faithful to God and his ways and how we should live, the way God has called us to live. Jesus fulfilled the law to bridge the gap between us and our Heavenly Father. That is good news. Without Jesus, we will fail when it comes to living for God and living for his laws. We will be stuck in the trap. But with Jesus, with Jesus, there's freedom there. We have new lives and new hearts that can be devoted to him and not looking for a loophole to justify our sins because we know that we are broken and we need Jesus. If you have not done so already, give your heart and life to Jesus this morning that fulfilled the law perfectly for you. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, continue to follow him that the law foreshadows with pleasure and love Remember that God's law leads to the best life of flourishing. Remember he is a miracle worker. Remember that he will pierce the dark with light. Remember that when you can't see it, God is still working. And it's so hard to see right now in this time. Remember that you are sons and daughters of our great God, that sent his son Jesus to fulfill all things. Laws and commands, Jesus fulfilled it. Old Testament, Jesus fulfilled it. Loved his neighbor perfectly, Jesus fulfilled it. Healed the broken and the weak, Jesus fulfilled it. Turned from Satan when he was being tempted, Jesus fulfilled it. Kicked out on the streets, Jesus fulfilled it. Spit on and beat, Jesus did fulfill it. Carried his own cross, Jesus fulfilled it. Death on the cross, Jesus fulfilled it. His father turning his face away, Jesus fulfilled that. Rose again on the third day, Jesus fulfilled it. So that you can have eternal life. Jesus fulfilled that for you. So that you can be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I'm sorry, but I don't know, but I get a little excited when I hear about that. Definitely how broken I am. God did those things for me, and he did them for you. That is the good news this morning. And I pray that you leave here and you rest in Jesus' righteousness and remember that he fulfilled all things. Let's pray. Father, I just, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you could continue to fix what is broken in us, Lord, that you continue to chase after us, even though we turn our backs on you, Lord. I just pray that uh, we could continue to look to you and not trying to fulfill the laws and checking the boxes and trying to be the good person, Lord, because we will still fall short. I pray that we can find our, our trust and our comfort in you, Jesus. We just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. And I pray that it pierce the, the minds and the hearts and the hands of your people today, that they can go out and be able to share your gospel and live for you, Lord. I thank you for who you are in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.